praise the creator most high as he is the essence of my totality. In the fifth century, uh, white European theologians who were racist, I did not say every white person is a racist. I did not say all European theologians are racist. I didn't say that. Come on, Christians. Come on, Christians. Come on, Christians. You are now. You guys let me have a good time. There's a word from the Lord in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 10, as we continue our study on black to the Bible, as we continue our study on the biblical presence of blacks in scripture. Genesis chapter 10, which is the table of nations, where all the races in the world can trace uh, their beginnings back to Genesis chapter 10. And this morning, what we want to do is remove myths. That's what we're preaching about, removing myths. Genesis 10 and 1. Now, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And under them were sons born after the flood. Now, we could easily take Sham and trace his descendants of Arabs and Jews. Or we could easily take Japheth and trace his descendants of Caucasians. But that's not our focus today. Our focus is the black presence in the Bible. So I want you to come down to verse six and we will trace the descendants of Ham. And the sons of Ham, Cush and Mizram and Put and Canaan. And what I wanna talk about are removing myths. There are so many lies that are circulating so many myths that are going around it is literally keeping many of us from being what we ought to be in God. God seeks to develop through the truth and the enemy seeks to destroy through lies and that's why some of us literally are not what God would have for us to be because we have we keep listening to the lies of the enemy. Uh, in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of Edgar Rice Burroughs, and he came out for the first time with a book called Tarzan. And of course, after that, he wrote a series of books about Tarzan and movies about Tarzan. And even to this day, Tarzan is a very popular uh, personality in fiction and cartoons and movies and everything else. Edgar Rice Burroughs was the first author of the first book, Tarzan. And he wrote that book without ever having gone to Africa. And that's why he presented uh, the black Africans in Africa almost like savages, almost like beasts. Uh, he had never gone there. And so his presentation and portrayal of blacks was negative and uh, it was not accurate because he was writing about something he had never seen. And it is through these eyes of fiction and through these eyes of imagination that had a whole lot of us shaping our mindset about Africa and the African people. But we were looking at it through the eyes of fiction. Y'all do not allow other people who know nothing about you to shape your mindset about who you are. And so what I want to do is not look at us through the eyes of fiction and imagination, but I want us to look at ourselves through the revelation of God, through the eyes of revelation, 
because God certainly is present in Africa. And not only is he present in Africa, but God has also created Africa and created the Africans and has something very special in which he has done with those of us of African descent in the kingdom of God and in scripture. And so I want us to hear the truth and remove some of these myths. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to throw out about three or four myths and then right behind those myths, I'm going to give you facts in hopes that the truth will overcome those lies and then we can walk around in emancipation and freedom, amen? So here's the first myth that I want to, for us to remove, I want to get rid of, and that is the myth that the Bible is a white man's book written for the white man, written by the white man, and written to the white man. Because many of us have heard people say, I don't want to hear the Bible because that's a white man's book and I don't know why you read it, I don't know why you study it, I don't know why you listen to it because that's a white man's book written by the white man, for the white man, and to the white man. So let me give us some facts about the Bible so that we can hear the truth and that the truth might set us free. The word Rome and its derivatives are mentioned 20 times in scripture and zero times in the Old Testament. And that would be a reference to white. The word Greece and its derivatives are mentioned 26 times in the Bible and only four times in the Old Testament. Now that pretty much wraps up how God expresses whites in the Bible. Now let me give you the references to blacks or uh, the black hermetic people and places and cities in uh, the word of God. The Sidonians or Sidon is mentioned 17 times. Uh, Ethiopia and the Ethiopians are mentioned 43 times. The Canaanites or Canaan is mentioned 153 times. Egypt and the Egyptians are mentioned 727 times. So when you look at those of color, the places, the people, the cities, the countries that are hermetic or black, you have over 1,000 references versus less than 50 references of those who are white. Now you want to call this a white man's book? Well, let's look at the writers of this book. There are 66 books in the Bible. And of those 66 books, depending upon which theologian you listen to, there are at least 40 writers. Of the 40 writers, most of the writers are Semitic. They are descendants of Sham. They are of Hebrew descent. Some of the writers are descendants of Ham. They are of black African descent. They have uh, hermetic blood running through their veins. And then there is one writer who is white, and that is Luke. His name means fair or bright, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote uh, the book of Acts. Now, there's only one white writer. Now, how do we come to the conclusion that this is a white man's book written by the white man and for the white man? Well, let's look at the black writers in the Bible. One of them is Zephaniah. He is one of the minor prophets. And in the book that carries his name, the very first verse opens up by saying, the word of the Lord came to Zephaniah, son of Cushy. Now, I already read to you that Cush is a son of Ham. Cush means black. Cushy means black. So when you talk about Zephaniah is the son of Cushy, he is the son of a black man. 
which means that Zephaniah himself is black. Another black writer is Joshua. Now, I know I'm going to shock some of you with this, but when we sing it about Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, we are singing about a black man. When Moses died and God went to Joshua and said, I want you to take these people over this Jordan is because God no longer needed a leader in the wilderness. He needed a warrior in Canaan that they might fight for the promises of God. And God chose a man by the name of Joshua. And there's a book with his name on it because he is the writer. And Joshua is a black man. Pastor, you got any proof? Now, y'all know I ain't going to stand up here with no proof. And here is the proof. Joshua is in the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim is one of the 12 tribes of Israel that is named after one of the sons of Joseph. Joseph, you might remember... His brothers beat him up, threw him in a pit, left him for dead, later sold him into slavery. After that, he ends up in Egypt, in prison, gets out of prison, becomes the second in command in Egypt. Are y'all familiar with that? When Joseph went to choose a wife, he did not go back to Israel and choose a Hebrew wife. He chose a wife in Egypt. He chose a woman by the name of Azena. Azena was a black female African. Y'all, she was a sister. And Joseph and Azenab had a son by the name of Ephraim. That is the tribe in which Joshua is a part of. So black hermetic blood is running through Joshua's vein. There's also a writer by the name of King David who wrote much of the Psalms. I'm not going to spend a long time on David because we looked at him last week in the sermon Black to the Bible. But David's great-great-grandmother was Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite. Canaan is one of the sons of Ham. That makes the Canaanites a black people. His great-great-grandmother was black. His great-grandmother was Ruth, who was a Moabite. The Moabites were a black people. They were black Africans. And so David himself has black African blood in his veins. He marries a woman named Bathsheba. Sheba is one of the sons of Ethiopia. And so Bathsheba is a sister. David again married a sister. They had a son named Solomon. Solomon is the writer of Ecclesiastes and he is also the writer of the songs of Solomon. He wrote at least one of the songs and he's a brother. So I'm giving you all the evidence of these black writers, y'all, to help you to understand that this is not a white man's book. But y'all, in all actuality, this is the word of God. It doesn't matter if it was Hebrew, Hamaic, or Jephthah. It doesn't matter because all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God-breathed. Y'all, this is the authority for the child of God's life. That if you want to know how you're supposed to live, you go to the word of God. This ain't a white man's book. This is God's book for the life of his people. Preach, Pastor Johnson. I'm already preaching. This book is a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our pathway. And you can't sit up here and say, okay, he's a Hebrew writer, so I can hear him. Uh, she's female, so I can't hear her. All right, this is a white writer, so I can't hear. Y'all, that ain't how you read the Bible. All scripture is given by inspiration of God for instruction and reproof and for correction. It is for all of us. 
And if you decide that you're not going to read Acts and the Gospel of Luke because a white man wrote it, you losing your mind. If I decide not to read Luke or Acts because a white man wrote it, I'm going to miss out on the parables. I'm going to miss out on the miracles. I'm going to miss out on the death of Jesus. I'm going to miss out on the resurrection of Jesus. If I don't read Acts, I'm going to miss out on the ascension of Jesus. I'm going to miss out on Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercessions for me. I'm going to miss out on the healing of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. I'm going to miss out on the start of the church. I'm going to miss out on speaking in tongues and interpreting those tongues. I'm going to miss out on the Apostle Paul getting bit by a serpent. It was poisonous, but he just shook that thing off and went on about his business. I'm going to miss out on Paul being shipwrecked out on that water on his way to Rome and the ship fell apart, but he made it off broken pieces. I'm going to miss out on the selections of the deacons that were filled with the Spirit of God. I'm going to miss out on too much, y'all. I don't care who wrote it as long as it is God-breathed. How many of you know this is the Word of God and it's going to be here when the world is still on fire? Now let me tell you the second myth that I want to share with you in order for us to remove the myth and then go on to the truth. The second myth I want to deal with is the myth about the curse of Ham. In the 5th century, uh, white European theologians who were racist, I did not say every white person is a racist. I did not say all European theologians are racist. I didn't say that. But in the 5th century, those racists who were white theologians, they came up with this idea, this theology, that the reason why we are dark and black is because we have been cursed by God. And many of us have heard about the curse of Ham. And because Ham was cursed, that means that all of his descendants are cursed. And we are descendants of Ham. But y'all, you are not black and dark because you are cursed. You are black and dark because you are blessed. The Bible says that God made every living creature for his own pleasure. When God got ready to have some pleasure for himself, he said, I'm going to make a black man and a black woman. Do not allow racist people to shape your mindset about yourself. When you look in the mirror, you ought to be pleased because God is pleased. Just because something is dark and black doesn't make it negative. Because I know that's the mindset of America with so much racism and prejudice and social injustice that we have literally passed around for years that if something is dark and something is black, it must be sin and it must be ungodly. Y'all, in Genesis chapter 1, and I just want to read it. You don't have to turn to it. You can if you want to. Genesis chapter 1, verse 18. I want to show you what it says. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw it was good. And listen to what's going on. God separates the light from the darkness. And the Bible says, and God saw it and that it was good. God did not eliminate darkness. He separated darkness from light. He called the light day, he called the darkness night. And when he divided the light from the darkness, he saw it. Saw what? He saw the light and the darkness and said, it is good. Now, why do you keep wanting to call bad what God said is good? 
Darkness is not wrong. Darkness is not evil. Darkness is a blessing from God. Now let's deal with this in chapter 9, verse 25, this curse of Ham. And let me give you the context. I'm going to read just a part of that uh, verse in uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 25 of the book of Genesis. Now, let me give us the context. This is after the flood. Hopefully you realize that because of the sin of humanity, God allowed it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Y'all remember the ark? Amen? All right, so here it is. 40 days, 40 nights, that has already happened. And that only a few people made it. Noah, Mrs. Noah, and their sons, and their wives. They're the only ones who made it after the flood. And now, this is the period of reconstruction. The ark has landed. The waters have receded. They've evaporated and all of that. And now it is time for reconstruction. Where is Noah at the day of reconstruction? Noah, y'all, is getting drunk. All this is in the passage. He gets drunk. I guess he feels like, you know, after building this big old ark and saving my family and going through all that mess with the animals and the stench and all that, that I can at least have a drink. The stuff drove him to drink. He had a drink, and then he ends up butt naked in his tent, and his son Ham comes, this is in the Bible, his son Ham comes in, looks at his nakedness, and when Ham looks at his nakedness, the next day is when Noah wakes up in chapter 9, verse 25, and Noah said, curse be Canaan. Y'all, you can read this all day and night. There is no curse of Ham. The curse is on Canaan. And y'all, we are not descendants of Canaan. We're descendants of Ham. There are no more Canaanites. You are not a Canaanite. You are not cursed because you are dark and black. There, there is no curse of Ham. Nowhere in the scripture. Just because you are black and dark, it doesn't mean you're cursed. As a matter of fact, it means you've been blessed. Now, Jeremiah Wright says that uh, Noah is the one that did the cursing, as we can see. And Jeremiah Wright of Chicago says, how can a man with a hangover curse anybody? Now, here he's the one that got drunk and got naked. And then he's going to turn around with a hangover and curse somebody else. Y'all, just because people say you curse don't make you curse. And the text never even said God cursed Canaan. It said Noah cursed Canaan. And theologians suggest that the reason why that curse of Canaan is there is to justify when the children of Israel first went into the promised land and the land was filled with Canaanites and they went in there conquering and killing everybody that they justified it by saying that Canaan had been cursed. This justifies what we are doing. But either way, y'all, we are not descendants of Canaan. But it is interesting that, uh, that the sons of Ham, which is which is Cush, Ethiopia, Mizram, Egypt, Put, Libya, and Canaan, that the only one that doesn't exist as a nation today is Canaan. And some say that's because they were cursed. But again, I want to reiterate that that didn't curse us. Y'all, we are blessed. There would be no way for us as a people to have gone through what we've gone through cursed. For us to be able to go through all that mess and then come out on top, y'all, we are blessed. There'd be no way for us to have been able to endure all the racism and the, the prejudice and the social injustice and to go through all that stuff, the slavery and the middle passage and, and the civil rights movement and come out the way we came out. 
for you to be able to live where you live and drive what you drive, have the education you have and make the money you make and hold the position you hold, that ain't because of no curse, baby. That is because you are blessed. My son, uh, my, my sons were watching um, uh, the, the Roots. My wife had my two oldest sons watching Roots by Alex Haley. Y'all remember that? I watched it as a teenager. I can't watch. Now, I, I highly recommend that everybody sees it at least once. Highly recommend. They got it on, on uh, DVD and, and video and everything else. Now you can get it. But they showed it on television. And my wife had my two older sons in there. Well, I can't watch it no more. Now, if you want to know why, just ask me one-on-one. I can't watch it no more. But I highly encourage everybody to see it at least once. I was walking through the family room, and the scene was on when Kunta Kente kept talking about going back to Africa. I's going back to Africa. I's going to get a boat. I'm going, I's ain't staying in America. I's getting a boat, and I's going back to where I came from. I's going back home. And then Chicken George couldn't take it anymore. And Chicken George said to Kunta Kente, he said, listen, we's in America now. We here, and we here to stay. That's what you need to go back and tell your racist coworker when they start talking all that Africa stuff. You need to go back to Africa. Don't tell them you need to go back to Europe. Just tell them, listen, we's here. Somebody ought to hear what I'm saying. And they ought to be glad we're here because we are blessed, which makes people that associate with us blessed. You can't help but be blessed because of how God has used black people. My, my second son, Jordy, this has been a, over a month ago. It's even before I, I, I am talking to them about this stuff. But even before I got into this, my second son, Jordy, said, Daddy, there wouldn't be nothing in this world if it were not for black people. So I said, Jordy, what are you talking about? He said, all the inventions that black people came up with and all the, the scientists and, and the things that we came up with, if it weren't for us, there wouldn't be nothing in this world. And you know what? Yo, we have made so many significant contributions. And there would be no way we could have done that in the environment we had to do it in if it were not for the blessing of God. And in John chapter 1, it says all things were made by Jesus and without him was not anything made that was made. Wait a minute. We created all this stuff. We invented all this stuff. But what, there was nothing that was made that Jesus didn't make. Which means if he made it and he did, he had to make it through us. For it to be in existence. Y'all, God didn't curse us to bring these things. He, okay, all right, y'all ain't getting this. I pulled up on the internet. I, I looked under black inventors and just to try to have some contemporary information about what we invented and what we produced. And y'all, that the, the internet just kept spitting pages out. All this stuff we invented just kept spitting it out. At the 35 pages, I said, okay, that's enough to go on. And I don't have enough time in preaching to stand up here and tell you all the things that black people have brought, not only to this nation, but to this world. I did try to put some of them in your bulletin today so that you can just look at them, and I promise this ain't even a third of what was spitted out at me as I was uh, going on the internet trying to find this stuff. But y'all, if it were not for black people, we wouldn't have refrigerators, we wouldn't have answering machines, there would be no helicopters, there would be no incubators. If it were not for black people, there would be no thermostat controls, no spark plugs, no stethoscope.
coats. If it were not for black people, there would be no straightening combs, praise the Lord. There would be no paper, no chess, no alphabets, no medicine, no civilization, no ice cream, no cell phones, no home security systems. If it were not for black people, there would be no automatic cashiers, no lawnmowers, no keyboards for your computer, no golf tees, no vitamin concentrate, no sterilizing of food or, or sterilizing of foodstuffs, no heating apparatus. If it were not for black people, you couldn't ride a bike, you couldn't use a wrench, you wouldn't have a top for your bottles. If it were not for black people, no air conditioning unit, no traffic signals. If it were not for black people, sisters, you couldn't get your hair done. Praise the name of Jesus. If it were not for blacks, no clothes dryers, no electric heaters. Look at somebody, tell them, I ain't cursed, baby. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And we have to understand that and live in that. There's another, there's another myth I want to remove. And that is the myth that Greeks are the fathers of civilization. I, I, I still remember hearing that in social studies at school 71. And of course, you know, nobody remembers everything they learned in school. I don't know why that stuck in my head, that the Greeks were the fathers of civilization. Y'all, that's a lie. 2,000 years before the Greeks even became a culture or civilization, y'all, black people already had cultures and civilizations. Y'all, Rome didn't even become a Rome until 750 B.C. Greece did not have its cities and states until 800 BC. And the descendants of Sham, in terms of racially and politically becoming groups, did not happen until 1800 BC. Y'all, that is 2,000 years after black hermetic people already had advanced civilizations. I'm not just talking about cultures, I'm talking about advanced cultures and advanced civilizations had already happened 2,000 years before anybody else had started anything. Let me prove it to you with these historical dates. Black Hermetic people ruled Ethiopia from 3500 BC until this present time. Black Hermetic people ruled Egypt from 3500 BC until 500 BC. Black Hermetic people ruled Canaan from 4000 BC to 1200 BC. Black Hermetic people ruled Mesopotamia from 4000 BC to 2350 BC. Black Hermetic people ruled India from 3000 BC to 500 BC. And this is 2000 years before Rome or Greece or any of those, the Middle East or any of those places. T.B. Maxson says, that, that the Hermetic people during that time were quite prosperous and they built great cities like Nineveh and Babylon. Maxon says that black Hermetic people were rearing palaces and digging canals and founding empires and organizing, uh, organizing governments while the descendants of Japheth were still wandering in Europe with no better weapons than the imp implements of flint and bone. It is recorded historically that for the first 2,000 years, it was black Hermetic people that had civilizations and cultures. It is recorded biblically in the word of God that after the flood, y'all, it was black people who were in charge of the world. Okay, y'all ain't getting it. Come on to the text because y'all gonna say he ain't in the Bible. Let me get back in this Bible. Chapter 10, verse 8. 
and Cush begot Nimrod. Do y'all see where I am? He became a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Y'all, Nimrod is the son of Ethiopia. His name means brave. His name means courageous. Three times in two verses, it says about Nimrod that he was mighty. Mighty means chieftain. Mighty means leader. Nimrod, the son of Ethiopia, was the first world leader as it is recorded here in the Bible after the flood. Let's see where he was ruling in verse 10. Nimrod, and the beginning of his kingdom, this is Nimrod's kingdom, his rule. Two words in there I want you to notice. One is Babel, and the other is Shinar. And this is really the same land. It also could be called Sumer, where there was Sumerians. And it could be called Mesopotamia. And we heard about Mesopotamia, where the Euphrates River and the Tigris River. Uh, Merrill F. Unger says that the beginning of civilization was in Shinar. And Unger says it was the Ethiopian people who inhabited that land at that time. R.K. Harrison says that in 4000 B.C., there was a intellectual superior caliber of people that inhabited Shinar, and these were black people who were non-Semitic. So what we find is secular and religious historians all agree that Shinar was the beginning of civilization, and the Bible again backs it up with secular historians that it was the Ethiopian people who were in charge at that time. I'm just trying to help us to understand our rich history and our rich heritage. Y'all, because some of us to this day believe that everything we have and everything we know, white people taught it to us. And that is not the case because black Africans were the mothers and the fathers of all civilization. In Genesis chapter 10, what we find are the table of nations and we've looked at how all the races can trace themselves back to Genesis chapter 10. In there, what you're going to find are 14, a list of 14 of the descendants of Japheth, 26 descendants of Sham, and 30 descendants of Ham. Because politically and culturally, and even in terms of population, it was the black people who were in charge and had heavily populated that area. It doesn't mean that there were not other races there, but it was led by the black Ethiopian people. Well, Pastor Johnson, I know this is your question. Pastor Johnson, then where did these other cultures come from? And where did these other civilizations come from? If everything was in Shinar, how did it even get to Europe? How did things even get to the Middle East or India or, or these other places? Well, the Bible in Genesis chapter 11 tells us that a major mistake took place. In Genesis chapter 11, watch what happens. Genesis 11 verse 1, it says that the whole earth had one speech and one language. And they began to build what is called the Tower of Babel. And in verse 4, it speaks of why they wanted to build the Tower of Babel. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we become scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now watch this. Here are these people, and they're going to build this tower to Babel. Why are they building it? Verse 4. So that they can get to heaven. 
so that they can make a name for themselves and so they won't be scattered abroad. Now, all of that sounds wonderful and honorable. I mean, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Nothing wrong with going to heaven. Who doesn't want uh, a name for themselves in terms of character and integrity and in terms of self-esteem and self-image and so that we will not be scattered abroad? which speaks in terms of unity. All that stuff sounds honorable. Well, Pastor, what is the mistake they made? They were trying to do it without God. They were trying to go to heaven without God, trying to make a name for themselves without God. They were trying to stay together without God. And y'all, anytime you try to build something without God, it's going to crumble on you. If you try to go up without God, you are in actuality on your way down. If you try to build family without God, it's going to fall apart. Try to build your finances without God, it'll fall apart. Try to build friendships without God, it's going to fall apart. Try to build your future without God, it's going to fall apart on you. And in verse 7, that's when everything fell apart on them. Look at what happens in verse number 7. In verse 7, it says, this is God. Go to, let us go down and therefore confound their language. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad. Remember, there was one language, one speech. Then when they tried to do things without God, verse 7, God confused their language so that now they could not communicate with each other. And when they could not communicate with each other, what happened? Verse 8, they were scattered. When they scattered, Y'all, the descendants of Ham, the Negroes, the Mongoloids, and the Indians, they scattered and went to Southern Arabia, India, and Africa. The descendants of Sham, when they scattered, went to the Middle East, and the Semitic people are still there. When the descendants of Jephthah scattered, they went to Europe. And that is when all these other civilizations started coming up. All these other cultures started coming into being. But it was 2,000 years after blacks had become the mothers and the fathers of civilization. If you understand me, say amen. Now, I want all of you to get this book, and I'm going to give you the title of this book, and I want all of you to purchase it. You can find it in, in Jewel Bible Bookstore here at the church. It is entitled, uh, Beyond Roots, In Search of Blacks in the Bible. It's by William Dwight McKissick, Beyond Roots, In Search of Blacks in the Bible. Next week, I'm going to put in the bulletin the bibliography that I'm using for uh, my resources to preach this message. But William Dwight McKissick, one of the things that he states in his book is he talks about how black hermetic people were leaders in so many different areas. And one of those areas that he mentions is in the area of technology. Because many are saying that the Greeks are the fathers of civilization. He said, no, you got to go back further than that. And you see, the black Hermetic people were leaders in terms of technology. That's why they were able to produce pyramids and paper, ceramics, mathematics, the beginnings of engineering, architecture, taming of horses first happened with black African people, clocks and calendars embalming the dead we still hear about that over in Egypt and the preserving of food all came through black comedic people because we were the leaders in technology he also speaks of us being leaders in terms of culture culturally we were leaders right now to this day uh, Hippocrates, Hippocrates uh, is considered to be the father of medicine he's a white Greek man he's considered to be the father of medicine 
Y'all, we need to understand that the Egyptians had what was called Materia Medica, which was the first catalog of medicines. And they had Materia Medica, the first catalog of medicines, even before Hippocrates was even born. Now, if you were not born, and there's a book that catalogs medicine, how can you be the father of the medicine? Y'all ain't following me. And Europeans, y'all, did not learn medicine from the Greeks. They learned medicine from the Egyptians. Even in the book of Genesis chapter 50, verse 1 and 2, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 1 and 2, Joseph calls for some servants to come to him. Numbered in those servants were doctors and physicians. This is before Hippocrates ever came along. And here in Genesis 50 verse 2, Joseph calls for his doctors and his physicians. Y'all, Joseph didn't live in Israel. Joseph lived in Egypt because his doctors were black African doctors because we were the leaders even in terms of medicine. And William Dwight McKissick in his book talks about how black Hermetic people led religiously. And they led even in terms of having a clear concept of art and having cities and states. We had those first. And in terms of banking and practicing law. Y'all, the Egyptians were practicing law 3,500 years before Jesus was even born on the earth. 3,500 BC. There was always already Egyptians that were practicing law and had set up banking systems. That's why I don't understand how some of y'all ain't even got a checking account. We started banking and you ain't got a savings account. Somebody ought to help me preach this. It is about us understanding our history so that we can tie into our destiny. Last one. And William Dwight McKissick says that we also led in terms of agriculture, agriculturally. You might remember when the Hebrew people first went into Canaan, Canaanites, Canaan, son of Ham, first went into that land inhabited by those black Canaanites. They first sent spies over. Joshua and Caleb sent spies over or went as spies. And when they came back, remember they didn't come back empty handed. Remember they had all that, that fruit in their hands and it was huge fruit. And they came back and reported that the land is flowing with milk and with honey. Because even in terms of agriculture, y'all, we were leading the way. The reason I'm saying this is because I'm sick and tired of us looking down on ourselves. And the reason we do that is because we don't know our own history and own heritage. When you know where you come from, you know where you are going. When you know what you've done, you know what you can do. Do I have a witness in here? Let me give y'all the last myth that I want to deal with for the day. And the last myth I want to remove is this myth about Islam being the natural and authentic religion for the black man. I want to get rid of that lie that, that they say if you are a black man or a black woman, you need to be a Muslim because that is the authentic religion for the black man. Now that ought to be easy enough for us to understand the truth here. Because there is no black God with a black book for black people. There is no white God with a white book for white people. And a red God with a red book for red people. And an Asian God with an Asian book for Asian Y'all, can't God, God ought to be big enough to handle all of us. And God is not one who is into segregation. Y'all, God is our father. 
And just like you want your kids to be able to get along, God wants all of his kids to be able to get along. Y'all, I don't care if you are black, red, white, yellow, whatever you are, God wants us to be able to relate to each other. Ain't no black God for black people and a white God for white people. And we have mixed couples in our church. So we got somebody who's black, who's married to a white person. Does that mean you got your white God in the house and they got their black God in the house? That don't make no sense, does it? Because if you got God on your side, there ain't but one God and he loves all of us. Yo, God is not trying to separate us. God wants us to come together. We talk about the Lord's prayer. And when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's a wonderful prayer, but that ain't the Lord's Prayer because he wasn't even praying. He was teaching other people how to pray. If you want the Lord's Prayer, you got to go to the Gospel of John chapter 17. And in the Gospel of John chapter 17, Jesus said, Father, I pray that they might be one. That's God's prayer so that all of us will unite as one. When Jesus died on Calvary's cross and God raised him from the dead, he didn't do that to separate us, y'all. He did that to bring us together. You may have come in on the Mayflower. I may have come in on a slave ship, but in sin, we in the same boat now. But when Jesus died on the cross, it's so that we could get on the old ship of Zion. Do I have a witness in here? He wants us to be one, y'all. God is sick of us fighting over colors and cultures. He's sick of us hating each other because of what somebody looks like on the outside. God wants us to be one. He wants to pull us together. Matter of fact, the Bible said there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord of all, who is Father of all, and if you're a Christian, he is in you all. Do I have a witness in here? In Acts chapter 17, it says that by one blood, Jesus brought all nations into the world. Y'all, God is trying to bring us together while we keep trying to keep each other apart. Now, now let me let me prove my point. Let me close like this. Because in, in, in Genesis 11, when the Tower of Babel was built, there was one language, one speech. Tower of Babel goes up trying to do it without God. The speech is confused. And now people cannot communicate and it brings division. Here they are. Everybody speaking the same language. And they try to operate without God. Speech is confused. Can't communicate. Everybody is in disunity. Acts chapter 2. When they all came together in one place with one mind on one accord. The Bible says the Holy Spirit showed up and they spoke with other tongues. As the Spirit gave utterance, and there were people from all over the known world who were in Jerusalem, and when Peter began to speak in other tongues and the others, everybody from the known world, from their different countries and places, cultures and colors, they all heard the gospel in their own language. Without God, it was confusing and couldn't communicate and discord with God. There was the utterance of the Holy Spirit in tongues so that everybody could hear the same gospel that would bring them together. Without God, we cannot come together. But baby, if you got the Holy Spirit, 
and I got the Holy Spirit it doesn't matter about your background your color your culture we cannot help but have unity do I have a witness in here I mean I'm black you're white you're Asian you're Hispanic but y'all we all feel with the spirit we ought to be able to communicate because now now when you became Christian that put you in my family see if God is your father I'm your brother regardless of your color and I, I was listening to to gospel TV last week and some misinformed and uninformed preacher and I don't y'all know I don't like dissing preachers but he's misinformed and uninformed and he's up preaching and he says that when you become a Christian you are no longer black you are no longer white you are no longer Hispanic you're no longer Asian you are now Christian that's a lie you do not change colors when you become Christian Whatever color you were before that, that's the color you still are. I'm just a black Christian, you a white Christian. That's cool though, because we got the same father and the same spirit that brings us together. Are you following me? I don't have to give up my Africanity to be a part of Christianity. I can still keep my culture. I can still appreciate my history and my heritage and still be a child of God. I don't have to give that up. See, I call myself an African-American. Y'all heard me through this whole message talking about Negro and and colored and and black and Afro-American, but I prefer African-American. And I prefer that because I know my history and my heritage and my roots begin in the mother country. My roots begin in black Africa. I like the fact that I am African, but y'all, I am also American. I pay my taxes. I love this nation. I support my government. I am American and we's here and we's here to stay. And I thank God for that. But I should not have to give up my Africanity in order to be a part of Christianity. Baby, we still ought to be one in Christ Jesus. Do I have a witness in here? Now, you know what? This is all good, and we shouting over and praising the Lord, and hallelujah. But, y'all, we got to make it a reality. We got to come together. And it's got to be led by the Christian church. Right in church world ain't gonna never get it right you gotta be able to love me regardless of my color I gotta be able to love you regardless of yours regardless of your gender your background all of that and I know what you're saying with pastor you know a lot of stuff has happened in the past white people done a lot of stuff to us and I know that I understand our history and our heritage I understand it but y'all you gotta let it go we ain't gonna never be one if you don't let it go look at somebody tell them let it go Pastor, you don't understand, I still face racism, I still face injustice. They got a glass ceiling over me. I, I can't go up on my job because of the color of my skin. All kind of, they're, they're redlining my district and all that kind of stuff. Y'all, I, I want you to understand something. You gotta let it go. We are never going to be one until we are able to forgive people for what they've done for us. And as a people, we have to forgive the white culture and how they treat, y'all, we cannot hate them back because they hated us we gotta let it go and I understand racism I understand slavery I know about the middle passage I understand the civil rights movement I know about all of that but I cannot carry that kind of bitterness and hatred inside of me y'all because it really ain't hurting them that hatred and bitterness inside of me is hurting me it's killing me I let it go for myself and I let it go for them now those of you who are saying pastor ain't no way I'm gonna be able to let this go 
All stuff that happened, this stuff is cute on paper, and your sermons are nice and cute, but I can't let it go. You remember that whatever the white folk did to us, you did worse to Jesus and God. Y'all, as much stuff as I've done against God, all the disobedience, all the sin, all the ungodliness, just in his face, grieving the Holy Spirit, doing stuff he told us not to do, going places he told us not to. Y'all know we did God wrong. And Jesus said, the only way we gonna be one is if I let it go. And Jesus let it go. Didn't he let your stuff go? Didn't he let your sin go so that you might be one? And we gotta let it go. All right, I'm, I'm through, I'm through. Let me close. Let me close. I'd have held y'all longer than I wanted to. I had to preach in, in Dallas, Texas. I just finished preaching for four days in Miami, Florida. Then I had to preach three or four days the very next week in, in Dallas, Texas. And so re- literally, literally what I did, I just went home, took all those clothes out of the bag and put more clothes back into the bag. And then the next day I was back out going to the airport. And the sky caps out at International, Indianapolis International. They know who I am. Pastor Johnson, how you doing? You leaving again? Yeah, man, I'm leaving. Where you going this time? I'm going to Dallas. You preaching? Yeah, I'm going to share the word, man. Pray for me that everything will go. Oh, Pastor, you're going to do fine. And so he got ready. The sky cap got ready to put my destination tag on my bag for Dallas. And then as he got ready to put it on, he said, wait a minute. Pastor, where'd you say you were going? I said, I'm going to Dallas. He said, well, why do you have Miami on your destination tag on your bag? I said, man, that's where I was last week. That's, I just came back from Miami. He said, oh, pastor, I'm gonna rip these off uh, because I don't want the baggage handlers to mishandle your bags and for your stuff to end up somewhere you are not. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna rip this off because that ain't where you are and that's not where you're going. So I'm gonna rip that off because that's just where you've already been. So let me rip this off so when you get to where you're going, your stuff is there where you are. Y'all gonna catch this in a minute because I do understand racism and I understand social injustice and prejudice, but I want y'all to know God has set me free. That's where I was. That stuff has been, that ain't where I am now. I had to snatch that off because otherwise I would mishandle my life and mishandle my church mishandle my relationships and mishandle my resources do I have a witness in here so God help me to snatch that off because that's where I've been but baby I'm on my way somewhere else you got to snatch off your bitterness snatch off your hatred snatch off those grudges snatch off of that mess because that's where you've been how many of you know you're on your way somewhere else now Do I have a witness in this place? Jesus prayed, I pray they may be one. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done in our history, in our heritage. Thank you for the truth. Now, Father, I pray that you'll make us one. That anybody that's carrying some destination tags from places they ain't going no more in the name of Jesus Father help them rip it off Keep it right to the, to the left. Don't get left. Take, back. Take it back, baby. Back and get praise your praise on. Oh. Keep it right. Keep it right to the left. Don't get left. Take it back, baby. Back and get your praise on. Keep it right to the left. Don't get left. Take it back, baby. Back and get your praise on. Keep it right to the left. Don't get left. Take it back, baby. Back and get your praise on.
find your name gives us power. Power. You are our energizer. Hour after hour. You died for our sins. We're saved by your grace. Grace. Through you we're born again. We live to seek your face. When we dance, dance oh, oh, we're dancing for you. Live the same. May the Lord add a blessing. Live the same. May the Lord add a blessing. Live the same. May the Lord add a blessing. Live the same. May the Lord add a blessing. Live the same. May the Lord add a blessing. Live the same. May the Lord add a blessing. Live the same
blessings. Live the same. And the Lord add a blessing. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get back. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. 